Rest in peace, young Dolph. Let's start off there. Real sad what happened. I mean, look, man. A lot of black men, especially when we get in our late 20s, our early 30s, and we just look at all the people we outlived, seeing a young Dolph, seeing a Nipsey Hussle, seeing an extension, seeing shit like that happen, really fucks with you. It really, really puts you in a place of, you know, yo, this could be me, especially when you get to thinking about all the other brothers that you outlived, whether you know them, whether you know them through third, second person. You know, I, th- I think about um, there's this one dude in the Bay Area, Eduardo, Eduardo Ramos, I believe was his name. <clears throat> and he got killed making a mural and he's just like regular, you know, Latino kid. 27 years old, some might say Latinx in this new day, you know, just with the type of dude that he was, being that he was like, you know, an artist and all that. And some nigga was fucking with his cans and he said, yo, stop fucking with it. And the kid shot him in cold blood, you know? And that was that was like kind of a, a national story. But I mean, I mean, that besides the point is it's just like we all know we either know somebody and or we know somebody second and third person that, you know, died from something that was not natural causes and you know, that fucks with us. And me, like, I wasn't the biggest, you know, Young Dolph fan. Like, Young Dolph isn't going to crack my, you know, on Spotify or Apple Music, he's he's not going to crack my top 100, 150 of artists that I listen to. Even though, like, I have, you know, I played his music in the gym before. <clears throat> but even still, it's, you know, just because it doesn't, he doesn't mean something to me significantly as a recording artist that doesn't mean that obviously he meant something to other people in my opinion don't mean shit about you know his music but i don't like this thing of especially when a rap nigga dies and there's this thing of like well i don't know who that is i must be getting old who is that and it's like nigga you didn't know who oscar grant or george floyd or breonna taylor was but that doesn't mean that their life didn't matter as much. You didn't know them until death. That doesn't mean that they did not matter. So it's like that whole thing of like, well, I never heard of their music, so they died. So I'm supposed to give a shit, nigga. Fuck you. I don't. I I, I just don't like what that insinuates <coughs> because it, it insinuates. All right, if you're you're a tax paying civilian, or even if you're not a tax paying civilian. Or maybe you're not even a civilian. Maybe you are on the streets, but you get fucked up under circumstances that are due to the police or something that we as a society just don't fuck with. Therefore, your life, you know, like obviously you're like your life still matters. But if it's like, oh, you a rap superstar or you're just a, a famous rapper, recording artist. But I just know I wouldn't fuck with your music and I see I see your headshots or I see photos of you and I'm just like, because there are artists like that where you see a picture of them and you're just kind of like, yeah, this isn't going to be for me, <laughs> you know, and you see that and, and you just and you just kind of dismiss that. I don't fuck with that because that really kind of that all that and even when black folk do it, all that shit, it goes back to white supremacy. All that shit goes back to, oh, this nigga don't look like what I fuck with. So I'm going to dismiss their life's work. And by dismissing their life's work, I'm dismissing their life. That's that shit I don't like. So rest in peace, Young Dolph. Um, I, I did a whole episode about rappers dying young. So like, I'm not 
going to go back. If you listen to that episode, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go back on a bunch of points I made and we're not going to, we're not going to do that whole, you know, rappers die in their own city. The, the boozy thing from a uh, Vlad TV. I'm not going to do the, um, yo, also I hate this. <coughs> I hate this thing of the public playing rap CNN. Also, I, I, I hate the like Vlad and Cam, Cam Capone and all these other YouTube outlets are doing this thing where a rapper's in some legal trouble and they're like, all right, let's get this lawyer to to talk about Casanova's case. It's like, ugh, like that's, there's just something about that that feels like dry snitching. This is like, you're like, why the fuck are you doing that? But the public, man, like, like the public will do shit like, oh, this was clearly a hit. Nigga, shut the fuck up. You don't, like, in between two and six days, we're going to find out what it was. This was clearly a professional hit. Really? You know what the fuck a professional hit looks like? Fucking retail worker to office administrator to a teacher's aide. Now you a teacher and you know what the fuck a professional hit looks like? Nigga, shut the fuck up. I just hate that shit. It's like, oh, because you like you knew some street niggas that told you some vague stories, and now you know what the fuck a professional hit looks like, and you was like, yeah, this was that. Uh, shut up. One thing that's clear is the South is taking this, and this is why I say we can't just brush shit off, shit like this off, is because the South. Is clearly taking this how us on the West Coast took Nipsey Hussle passing. And dare I even say the East Coast. Because I'll say, like I did here, uh, it's Nipsey murals in Brooklyn near where I lived. It's I heard grinding all my life. I heard racks in the middle, you know, time to time just walking around Brooklyn. So I, I do think Victory Lap sonically worked more over there. But anyways, um, Young Dolph clearly meant that. And then just seeing, seeing the parallel of that, of Young Dolph... Being like, yo, I'm at this cookie spot. Anytime I'm in Memphis, I got to fuck with this cookie spot. Make sure y'all go fuck with them. Same as Nipsey with the Marathon store and buying that strip mall, buying that buying that little area and being like, yo, this is, this is like the spot. And then being like, yeah, we are here in the community, spending money in our community, flipping, uh, you know, keeping the black dollar circulating. See, that's how that's I said flipping the black dollar. That's 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 how much we don't circulate the black dollar. I was like, do we flip it or do we circulate it? Which one is it? <laughs> Anyways. Rest in peace, young dolphin. You know, love love to love to anybody where his music helped get you through and you were grieving as well. I know that sounds superficial. Especially when, you know, he's got two kids, a wife, and and relatives that are grieving. But I also say, like, you know, for, for the fans, because it's like, for me, I had people hit me up when Nip died, and I had people hit me up when Kobe died, because as a kid growing up in Southern California for, like, the, the first half of my life, the first quarter of my life up until now... Kobe Bryant meant something. Even though by the time Nipsey Hussle came out, I was living in Oakland. Nipsey Hussle connected to me more than, you know, a, a Mr. Fab or, 
you know, uh, E-40 or any of those Barry artists no, or Larry June. No disrespect to them, but just like Nipsey just is, it, it, it connects more. <coughs> so, you know, if he connected with you, that's your brother and my condolences. So to me. In downtown L.A. in this very, very stuffy studio apartment. With a lot of sketchy noises throughout the night. I, I took a trip down to San Diego. And this is, you know what it is? This is where social media can get you. Everybody's taking trips right now. Everybody, a bunch of New York comics I know that I follow, that I follow on social media... They're all going to Chicago, they're going to Boston, they're going to North Carolina, they're going to D.C., and just kind of every other weekend, they're just like, all right, let me pop out, do some shows, come back in. Or the ones that I know that are from the Bay Area, they're going back home. Comics I know in L.A., they're like, all right, let me go to the Bay, then I'm going to go to New York, then I'm going to go to the Midway, I'm going to go to Denver. And niggas in the Bay don't go anywhere because they're retarded. <laughs> that fuck, that fuck around. That's just the comics. Um, <laughs> no, nah, but seriously, like I see every no, even like Barry comics, I see them getting out and everybody's traveling now. So I was like, you know what? Let me do a two day excursion to San Diego. And look, I did a bunch of pods uh, when I I had my my jackass girlfriend at the time. About like, this is how you travel and this is how you do this. When you're single, you can kind of fall into some shithead ways. So for me, I um there's there's this uh, there's a spot, it's it's this cute, it's this rum bar <coughs> called Kanye. It's a few blocks up, it's in downtown LA, and they have a mandatory $50 fee to join. You, you pay them $50 and then you can get in free every time. And they have all the rooms I like. They got Appleton Estate. They got Diplomatico. They got that Presidente. Like, it's dope. They they have, they have a drink that's really fucking good. It's called a Brazilian Mai Tai. And it's like it's like a mojito mixed with... A, it's not, like, overly fruity. It's very, it's very like, floral. Oh, my God. It's so fucking refreshing. So, anyway, so I was there one, day, one night. And I have the energy where just, like... I, 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 niggas like to talk to me so i'm there kicking it and then you can buy a cigar there and i'm i'm talking to this dude i'm sitting in the corner and this one guy turns around to me he's like hey man and by the way this spot is pretty much like only latino it's like puerto rican mexican it's like it i don't know how many cubans are in la but it is like i was the only black dude in the sea of brown people but everybody was just kind of like hey what are you you look like you could be i don't know i think you're black like <laughs> The black and brown tension is, is chilled down, at least in, in L.A. So, you know, Long Beach, a different story. But so I'm chilling in there and this dude turns to me and he's like, hey, man, I think I'm about to have a threesome. And I said, first one. And he's like, hell no. And I'm like, OK, cool. Knock it out the park. He's like, hell yeah. And then he leaves the area that he's sitting in. I'm sitting by the fireplace in there. And this dude, he sits down. He's like, hey, yo, was that your homie right there? And I'm like. Nah, nah, it wasn't my homie. And the way he said homie, I was like, all right, you little square. I was like, what's up? He's like, nah, he ain't my homie. And then later we get to talking. It's a Puerto Rican cat. He's a doctor. It was hella cool. And he's like, and like, you know, I was, he was sharing a cigar with like 
two of his homeboys. And I was kind of like, man, you niggas ain't got your own cigar, nigga. Y'all, y'all niggas ain't, y'all ain't going to get no bitches up in here sharing a cigar. And I get to talk to him and like, he's a doctor and his two homies are med school students. So I'm like, oh, you showing the little homies around. I fuck with that. Cause he was 28. The little homies was 24 in med school out in uh, Salt Lake City. <clears throat> and we get to talking. And then next thing you know, we're smoking cigars together. We're drinking. Hey, hey, what you want? What you want? Wait, what is that? Yeah, let me try that. All right, cool. I got you one. All of a sudden, a nigga made friends. <coughs> and I'm doing all this the, like the, the day before I'm supposed to go to San Diego. So we're around. We're bar hopping. We're moving all around. I'm like, all right, let's go to the Ace Hotel. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. All right, cool. I'll see you. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to link up again. Boom, boom, boom. You know the nightlife shit. So go down to Sandy, fast forward, I go down to San Diego, and I'm fairly hungover, but I'm like, you know what? We can't waste these days. I booked a room at the Andaz Hotel. You know what hotels, because I've done enough pods about travel and leisure, if you listen to this, so I'm not going to tell you, like, you got to get the linens need to be like this. I'm not going to do all that, but I'm just going to say, the more you pay, the better shit's going to be. I'm not going to tell you what I paid. You could go on hotels tonight and find out an accurate amount of what I make, what I paid, <laughs> depending on, you know. <clears throat> but anyways, it was nice. Like, it was very, very fucking quiet, which is what I need. I, I needed quiet. So I get in, get my room, chilling. Then I'm like, all right, we got to get up out of here. The homie Jeremiah hits me up. Me and Jeremiah link up. Do wine tastings. We hit like probably, we hit like three wine rooms. We, we got dinner at Barbusa, which is one of my favorite uh, restaurants. It's in Little Italy. By the way, Little Italy and the Gas Lamp. If you go to San Diego, Little Italy and the Gas Lamp are where you need to go. Stay out of downtown. And then we, we have a beautiful dinner. We eat like bone marrow and meatballs and broccolini and rigatoni and and, and braised, uh, braised uh, beef shank. It was a great time. Then we go have some more drinks. Good time. Next day, he's like, yo, Lyle, I'm done. And I texted him, yo, as much as I want to tell you, drink some ginger ale, do some push-ups, and meet me right now, we over 30, and I fucking get it. <laughs> that's the thing that's different, because like me at 25... We'd be like, you acting like a bitch right now. You get the fuck up and meet me. And now, like, at, at 31, I'm like, yeah, I get it. You got, you probably barely have energy for the shit that you're supposed to do right now. You're not supposed to hang out with me. So, yeah, I totally get it. Like, 25-year-old Lyle would be hot. But 31-year-old Lyle was like, look, I barely want to leave this room myself. But I'm going to be mad if I don't get my money's worth. So I go out, have a fucking taco, and... It's like, you know, there's a thing you hate on, on like vacations and trips when it's like, and I wouldn't call it a vacation. I would just call it a, a quick uh, getaway. It was a quick, you know, let your hair down real quick, be around some new shit. Because like downtown LA is just fucking suffocating me right now. But there's this thing where it's like if you've been somewhere like a handful of times where you, you just get to be like, yeah, I fucking get it. I fucking get it. Like, like, you know, San Diego, they, they do have the best tacos because it's like they, they got like the seafood and it's you get the you get the kind of Tex-Mex. You get the Cali burrito with the fries and the cheese and the carne asada. Then you got the you get some smoked fish like you can do a lot of cool shit. 
out there. But eventually it's like, all right, it's a bunch of shit in a tortilla. I fucking get it. <laughs> you know, especially if you just kind of feel like hung over or you're not in the best mood. It's like, ah, this shit again. This fucking plastic area. <laughs> you know, like, hey, y'all worship the military. You're a bunch of fucking dummies in here. Like, and I was like, no, I cannot feel that. I cannot. When I went with Ariel, like, she was, she was like that by day four, which I don't blame her for in retrospect. But it's like, I was like, no, you have to have a good time. You have to have a good time. So then I'm like, after I do that, and down, like, CD was like, it's a lot, 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 lot more homeless folk. And I'm like, fuck, I left downtown LA to get away from that shit. And now here I am paying a pretty penny to be around it again. Them resort fees will get you. And like, e- even like them hotels holding your card, it's like, I mean, I know I'm getting the money back, but fuck. So I do all that. Ha- have my two little, have my little surf and turf and my beer battered fish taco. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go down to Little Italy and. The amount of time it'll take me to walk there, it's like 1.5 miles. By the time I get there, the wine bars will be open. Wine bars, wine bars normally open around four or five. I hit one and another and another. And in short, I got quite a bit of free drinks. I went to one spot and it was this uh it was this dude who was like from um the Netherlands, but he kind of talked like a Mexican because he got here when he, he moved to San Diego when he was like 18 and he's like, yes. Oh, really? Okay. No, like, no, like I like the, I like the Pisco. It's weird. It was kind of like Cholo mixed with Norwegian. It was like really funny to hear him talk and he, he had like those, vi- you know, those eyes that they have in Europe where it's like they're very kind of like a light, faucety blue. I'm not saying this nigga had dreamy eyes. I'm just telling you what they fucking looked like. <laughs> and then he's giving me drinks, and there's this one Mexican girl that gets up there, and she she's just, like, spilling out of her clothes and has the cell phone up in her titty and just, like, <laughs> just looks like, just looking like a good and terrible time. And their friends like a photo shoot. She's like, no, bitch, move your ass up. Like, bitch, my ass is up. No, bitch, it's not. And then I'm just sitting there just swirling my my little fucking bullshit Bordeaux. Like, mm-hmm, yes, yes, yes. And then dude gets off. And then I, I had like six glasses of wine. And he hands me a bill for $24. And what I'm saying is. I drink for free a lot out there because, you know, like I went to another spot and they're like, oh, I got this one. They went to another one. This one guy's like, hey, you got the good vibes, man. I can tell. I got your I got yours, man. I'm going to hook you up, man. You got the good vibes. And that was a Mexican dude saying that. <laughs> it's like I, I know it sounds I know it sounds like Puka Shell Bob, but no, no, it's, it's San Diego. I'm at the point now where I'm kind of worse than an alcoholic. I'm a professional drinker. And there's a thing about being a professional drinker that I want to say bartenders can sense about you, where it's like, oh, this dude can hold his shit and he's going to tip well. Because I come in, I'm charming. I'm not trying to talk to you. I'm like, oh, what's up? How you doing? Oh, yeah. How's you not? Yeah, yeah. I'm coming in from da, da, da. And I did this and blah, 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 blah. Like, okay, cool. Thank you. Oh, here's a t- okay. Here's some singles. Here's some singles. Here's some singles. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. Yo, what do you recommend like this? Okay, cool. Thank you. And they're like, yo, I got you. I got you. Oh, I got you. And I think there's this thing of 
you recognize when somebody is there to like have a good time. You recognize somebody is there to make you money. You recognize somebody is there to escape. And you're just like, you know what? My life is better if I help them have a good time. And that's the fucking problem with these bitch ass Bay Area bartenders. You know what? We're, we're, we're in San Diego, Lyle. We're in San Diego. Let's not go back. Let's not go back to Oakland or San Francisco. We know that upsets you. Stay in San Diego. Okay. So, anyways. So, so we're in San Diego. <laughs> On the second night out, I'm getting a bunch of free drinks. And the next day, I'm just like, oh, fuck. And I'm like, should I just stay another day? And but it's like, no, nigga, you should not spend 200 and something dollars to fucking, like, stay another day just to fucking nurse your hangover. What are you, fucking loser? So then I'm like, all right, book my Amtrak ticket, get on Amtrak, come back. But yeah, the whole time in San, San Diego, I was, like, I was like the wandering wino. And it was just good to just be around some different shit. I'll tell you, San Diego is one of those places, though, where it's just better if you know some people or you go with somebody. Now, now as a single person, I have to travel differently because when I was a couple is it gave me it gave me more options. There's some places where I'm like, ah, I'm not going to have fun there. Like, for well, I don't like I don't like Vegas as a single guy either. But like. Me and a girl, I'm like, I don't want to go to Vegas with a girlfriend. Like, it's, it's, for what? Like, what are we going to do? You know? It's, it's, it's like, like, Vegas food. It's like, it's, it's too it's too catered to the Midwestern palate. I don't gamble. It's fucking hot. Like, yeah, it's drinks all around, but it's not even shit I really want to drink. Like, I'm like, oh, great. Another Tito's or Jack and whatever. Like, I, I don't want to drink fucking mid-shelf liquor. You know? Like, it's not going to be fun for me. Don't want to do the rest. Fuck Vegas. So, but for me, it's like, I don't know. What's a place I'll go as a single that I wouldn't go in a relationship? New York. (laughs) No, 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 man. It's it's hard to to fucking think. But, um, I don't, maybe like a music festival if I was a certain kind of guy. You, You know, probably the club is the only place I'll go that, you know. I wouldn't go in a relationship. But with that said, I was like, you know what? It's a lot more places I won't go as a single guy that I want to couple. Like, for example, I was like, man, I should go to Santa Barbara. And I'm like, nigga, you should not go to Santa Barbara. That place is too damn romantic for your ass right now. You can't handle all that. You can't handle the romance of a fucking city. You can't handle these beautiful terracotta rooftops, Lyle. You can't handle these light waves crashing and the water's too cold to go into. But you're just fucking staring at it. You can't handle the beautiful Spanish style architectural designs. You can't handle all these like all the restaurants that you want to go to are going to be nice, candlelit couples. It's like because like Santa Barbara, I feel like the the window for that to go as a single person is kind of like like Santa Barbara is dope when you're like 18 to like 25. You know, when when you're 18 to like 23, 24, hit IV, turn up, you know, be a coon. And then when you're like 25 to 27, 28, like, yeah, go hit, go hit downtown and hit them little bitch ass clubs they got. And you can make out with somebody and all that. Like, I know I did. You know, you, you can do that. You know, get, get some phone numbers. Get laid. Like, you know. But then when you're like 28, 20, 
even 27 to, I don't know, like 34, like Santa Barbara, like you want to go with like a romantic interest, even if you're just kind of like, oh, I'm just going to like fucking take, it's like, look, wine tasting, it's just Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, and a few other things. It's mostly Pinot, Chardonnay, beer, and whatever, you know, and, and the food, the food is good, but it's not, it's not like Santa Barbara's type of cuisine where you're like, I can't get this anywhere. It's, it's not like. It's not like if you're a foodie and you're a a, a drinky. <laughs> it's just it's called alcoholic Lyle. It's not like if you're a foodie and, and a, a casual alcoholic <clears throat> and you go to a great soon a great uh, culinary scene like the Bay Area or or obviously New York or or other places or or Portland. Portland's got a great food scene and horrible people. It's it's, it's fucking. It's it's not like this. Too fucking romantic. So I'm like, all right, I gotta go to San Diego. So I get back and, like I said, like like cities, coastal West Coast cities. Those are the ones I can speak on the best. Are fucking changing. I remember going to Portland right before uh, the lockdown and doing that final uh, week in the shows for like damn near a year and just remember like wow it's way more homeless people than it was so I first went there in like February like Valentine's Day weekend of 2019 and then March of 2020 and just seeing the vast difference in the homeless population around there downtown area and and, uh, and all over <coughs> then same with San Diego like I remember going there we talked about the road trip we did on here it's one of the earlier episodes and just like, why well, there's a lot more homeless people out there now. In LA, let me tell you, it's a lot fucking less Uber and Lyft drivers. Like, you, you try to get a car, like, it, it could take you 17 minutes. Even if you're going someplace that's not that fucking far. And and you know, you know the bad thing about that? And this goes back to why I pay for more shit. Reason I pay for more shit. Is because the quality of person that you will be forced to deal with. That's the main reason I pay for extra shit. It's not the flex. It's because I want less bullshit on the way to whatever the fuck it is I want. So I get in from San Diego, and the Uber driver. Let me make a let me make a character comparison. If you watch Donald Glover's show Atlanta on FX. There was this episode where it was this dude online, and he was basically hating on Paperboy, and he like filmed uh, Paper Paperboy. He's like the rapper on the show. He was, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not gonna explain to you who's who. If you haven't watched Atlanta right now, but you listen to this podcast, you're a fucking asshole. So <laughs> I love you, but fucking watch Atlanta. So Paperboy taking out some trash. And then he's taking pictures of Paperboy taking out the trash and be like, yeah, he's supposed to be a rapper. And how many Paperboys are there? And he made a whole like YouTube video dissing him. And Paperboy pulls up on him like, why are you doing all this? And he's like, he's like, hey, my nigga, I'm just da-da-da. And he's like, yo, are you black? You Asian? He's like, yeah, but he looks Asian, but he could be half black, whatever. That's what that, that this guy looked like. He looked like he was Southeast Asian or he could have been half black or maybe not. Or maybe he's like Salvador. Like, I don't know what he was. I just knew he was fucking annoying. So he pulls up. And you know, like Amtrak, you got like some middle-aged like black woman just yelling at everybody. No, over here! Well, is your train right here? Like, you don't have to yell at me. I'm right here. Yes. 
Yes, I'm waiting on my train. Okay, what Pacific Surfliner? What train is it? You don't have to yell. I am right here. <laughs> they yelling all over the place. The fucking bright vest and like, okay, come over here. And they on some walkie-talkie, and, you know, just, <laughs> just shaking ass and giving directions. <laughs> so all that shit happens. And then get in the car, and then he calls me. He's like, yo, where you at? And I'm like, I'm in the pickup zone. And he's like, oh, shit, I don't know where the fuck that's at. Yo, I'm right by the car with the Texas license plates, homie. And I'm like, all right, I'll be there. And I walk over. I see him like, what's up? And put my luggage in. And we're going. And he's, and he's like, yeah, man, you know, the way she's yelling at me, I was about to curse her the fuck out. You know, I can't handle with that shit. And I knew, you know you have a ghetto-ass Uber, a Lyft driver. When they're driving, and they're one, their seat is declined far enough, where it's like you're not a fucking pimp in a black exploitation movie. Why the fuck is your seat reclined like that? And then they keep looking back at you as they're talking. They're like they're driving, like yeah, man, and like you just ain't a movie, nigga. You better fucking look at the road. Doing all that talking, <coughs> and then at one point, one of the he's like, "Oh shit, I think I picked up the wrong person." I'm like what? We just talked to him. He's like, he's like, oh shit. And he's like, are you Lyle? And he keeps looking at me while we're on the freeway. I'm like, yes. He's like, oh, okay, cool. I'm like, God, it's fucking coon. And then he's telling me like all these stories. And he's he's, he's like, yeah, man, you know, was this like I can't work for other people, man. I'm gonna fucking lose my temper. I was cussing out motherfuckers at the airport. I just can't deal with people's bullshit. Downtown fucking LA, man. I fucking hate it, man. You know, motherfucker throw shit at my car, mother fight a homeless motherfucker. I ain't trying to go to jail for fighting a mother. I'm like, yo, like. It's certain people, and I hate to sound like the, these fucking goofy internet memes that that, that, that like on, you see on social media. Like, after I deal with socializing with one person, I need to take a week off from talking to people. It's like, ugh, pussy, grow up. But <laughs> there are certain people, especially when I'm in a certain space, I'm like, you know, we just going to call it a wrap for today. Uh, yeah, I don't need to go nowhere. I was also hungover as shit, so like, he would have been really annoying, but he was like 10 times more annoying because of that. So I get in, I, I, you know, I just don't like these, um, <clears throat> these very urbanized cartoon caricatures that are like real people. Like, I don't like meeting people to feel like a GTA character in person. I don't like, like, this, like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, that motherfucker. And it's like, it seems like you just say any thought that comes into your head in the moment. And that's not fun to be around. I don't even like to consume that in any other fashion. So anyway, so that happens. Chill. I'm like, let me get some Panda Express. Let me get my classic orange chicken, Kung Pao chicken, steamed rice, and steamed vegetables. Catch up on Insecure. Catch up on Kirby Enthusiasm. I'm like, all right, next day we can go to the gym. Have my green tea. Throat felt a little sore, so I had some warm water with lemon and cayenne pepper. Felt better. I'm on my way to the gym. I get this very, very big white man. And he's like, here's another character comparison. <laughs> he's like, if you ever saw the movie Due Date with Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis, he was the fucking Zach Galifianakis character. And you see a lot of people like that character in L.A. where they have... Film, TV, stand-up comedy, 
aspiration, some sort of medium where you get to talk and express yourself. You know, you get to be seen or you get to create something. And it's rarely music. Music people are a different kind of annoying. And so he gets up and he pulls up and he's like, yeah, man. So they wouldn't let me over. And he was telling me this whole story about like, uh, he's like, I, w- I was supposed to pick up somebody at the yard house by Staples Center. And he said, some people tell me I sound like Sheldon on Big Bang Theory. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. But I'm doing his voice. How he sounded to me. He's like. And then I'm there, I'm 15 minutes away, I pull up and they cancel their ride. Is it weird that I mentioned that to you? And I said, um, well, and I took the diplomatic route because, you know, when you have crazy Uber drivers like these two niggas I'm describing, it's not that you're scared of them giving you a bad rating, but it's like, you don't want to be that Uber Lyft story where you're like, yeah, I told them they talk too fucking much and they let me out of their car. You know, because it's like, yeah, Uber and Lyft will give you a ride share credit, probably ban the driver, and then be like, yeah, I'll refund you your money, and here's like $50, nigga. But it's like, that's not worth it for the inconvenience. It's like, no, I need to get here now in real time. So it's like, I'm just going to be like, yeah, 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 yeah. So what I said to him, he's like, it's so weird that I mentioned that. I said, well, that's kind of the norm for a lot of uh, drivers to mention their frustrations with riders. And that was also me as a test, like, does this nigga understand subtlety? You already know he didn't pass the test. <laughs> and I said, but no, it's not weird that it bothered you. And he said, well, it didn't really bother me. Like, oh, shut the fuck up. And then, and then we're going, we're on, the, we're on the freeway, and he's like, so um, as a, as a lifter, you must get a lot of girls, because like he was taking me to the gym. And, and my arms have been, rather, I've been looking very beefcakey lately. You know, got to lose the middle, but... Uh, definitely obviously been lifting if you see me <laughs> and he's like so as a lifter you must get a lot of girls and i'm laughing like wait are you saying like like because i ride lift i get bitches like what and i'm like huh? and i'm like oh oh yeah let, oh yeah wait i'm like yeah yeah i mean yeah, i do all right i, I, I do all right and he, he's like he's like yeah and he's like i had this female friend for six years and i cut her out of my life and it's been the best thing ever and i was like there's this Will Smith movie called Focus with him and Margaret Robbie. It's like it's like one of those caper movies, and the movie starts off with uh, Margaret Robbie trying to like basically con him, take her up to the hotel room. Guy puts a gun in his face. Will Smith says, "Yeah, shoot me," and then he doesn't. And then and then he's like, "Yeah, I know you're trying to con me." And they're like, "Well, why'd you come up here?" And Will Smith says, "Professional curiosity." This guy, I kept asking questions out of professional curiosity, out of coon curiosity, I should say. So he's like, I had this friend for six years, and, you know, I cut her out of my life, and it was great. And I'm like, all right, motherfucker, what happened? <laughs> and he's like, well, I had to, like, eat my, I had to sound like I was, like, eating a pork chop as I said well. He's like, well, so she came here. Oh, by the way, he mentioned that he lived in Florida at one point, just for just for context for you guys. So... I was friends with her for six years, and we were not fucking. We were not fucking. And, you know, she she had these, she would just argue with her mother. You know, she was elderly. She'd push, she'd push her mother. They'd get in the fights, and, and whenever they'd fight, her mother would blame me. I'm like, hey, that's not my fucking fault. That's between you and your daughter. You know, and she had dogs, and the dogs would just shit and piss all over the place, and they leave hair everywhere, and they 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 scratch off this thing on top of my car, and I saw like some big scratches in his car, and I'm like this, I was like, this does seem rather ghetto for a lift 
uh, comfort. <laughs> and she's like, he's like, yeah, and she did that. And she argued with her mom. And I was like, well, why were you friends all these years? And he said, well, she liked amusement parks. We went to a lot of amusement parks. <laughs> like this nigga. At one point, he asked me, what's your favorite amusement park? I'm like, I don't know, nigga. I'm 31. Like, what the fuck? Like, I don't. Raging Waters, nigga, is, is, is great. He's, bitches got their ass out. I don't know, nigga. Like, I like the beach. I like the club, nigga. Like, fucking grown man going to amusement park. He's like, he's like, yo, Universal Studios, there were three rides I couldn't ride. I'm like, this fat nigga. Like, god damn it. <laughs> yo, I probably just asked him all these questions so I could just tell the story of the pod. So, like, fucking appreciate it. So then he goes, he's like, yeah, she did all that. Then, and then I was like, well, so what made you stop being friends with her? And he says, well, Go to Disney World one. Go to Disneyland one day. Disney World's Orlando. Go to Disneyland one day. <coughs> and then they're arguing and they're arguing and they're in my car. And they keep doing all this fucking shit. And she's blaming me for the argument. And I said, you know what? I dropped him off on the curb. Then I threw her mother's walker out the car. Threw the Burger King out the window. And said, sayonara. And I blocked her on all social media. I felt so fucking good. Six days later, she sends me some Amazon chocolates with a note saying, I hope we can still be friends. And I said, hey, thanks for the chocolates, but I'm not contacting you. You know, fuck ya. And I showed my dad videotape of them arguing, her and her mother, because I videotaped them arguing. And he'd be like, you put up with all that? Not anymore. You know, and I, my life feels so free. I can't believe I experienced that. Like, I believe shit like that happens because it's like they're they're really weird. Oh, and at one point during the ride, he said no homo. And I was like, well, I I thought you were. Okay. (coughs) I shouldn't say that. But I experienced shit like that. And I'm just like, how do people kind of just go through life like that? You know, like, how how is that a way of, and I will say, I do know a lot of weird gay man, straight woman, sexually frustrated man, uh, asshole woman dynamics that exist. I do think there is a thing where, like, I don't know, I'll unpack this for another day, but I do think there's this thing where within the opposite sex, there's a thing where people are accustomed to being shitted on. Like, there's a reason. I think, like, hot women, like, like it'll be, like, hot women will just be with, like, these guys that treat them like shit and that are, you know, built like 14-year-old boys and they just fucking let them, like, ruin their life. Like, I think it's, you know, it's like, oh, this, well, this is this guy that just treats, like, this is just eat. And I do think there is, I don't want to, like, get too basic and be, like, you know, fucking art of seduction basic ass Robert Green bitch on you and be like, well, it's the artist like you they like the chase. I don't even think it's the chase. I do think there is something about the idea of something that is unattainable, especially when you sit there and you go <coughs> I really got too much going on for me. And what he said to me, I was like, what? He's like, well, she was consistent. She would text me back and she would actually hang out. And I said, did you ever try to fuck her? He's like, oh, no. And I'm like, you a lying ass motherfucker. 
He obviously tried to fuck her. He, or she she probably like teased him and like sat on his lap and did a bunch of shit to get his dick hard and probably like being in a jacuzzi and she like get naked and she was like, Oh my god, you should get naked too and then they just be sitting in the hot tub naked and she like, Oh, I'm so sleepy. I'm so sleepy. Like it's probably just a bunch of dumb and then he's like, Yo, you're just a fucking piece of shit. What it probably really was, it wasn't even like the shit that happened at, at uh of uh, fucking Disneyland. This is me just playing out in my head. I'm like, this is what probably would really happen. Probably what really happened was this motherfucker. He <laughs> let me go up in my like lift app and find this motherfucker's name now. Uh, shit was I think it was Michael. Fuck it, nigga's name was Michael. So anyway, so well, I think happened was Michael. Was and that's good. It's a generic name. Like you're never gonna be able to find it. It's some spinning motherfuckers named Michael. I got a cousin named Michael. Um, I think what really happened was he heard her having because she sounds like a messy bitch. So I think he either visually saw or heard her having sex, or I think she just very casually mentioned multiple uh, gentlemen that she was fucking at the same time, and I think he lost it. That's what I think would happen. I think he had a moment where he's like, I'm really getting treated like and then and then at one point he said, Sorry to gossip so much. And I'm like, Oh my and then he told me he was like, Yeah, I'm pursuing a career in a film and TV. So what do you do? And I'm like, I'm not telling this nigga I'm a comedian. I'm I refuse to do that. I'm like, Oh, um, I do. And I was like, What does Will do for a living? I'm like, Oh, uh, I work at this place called Media Temple. Uh, I make sure people get that uh they have websites to make sure they get their domain names quickly and I do technical support and he said well you definitely have the voice for it and I'm like god damn this motherfucker's on to me (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious yeah man so you know cities are just a changing let's drive you know it's just like it's, it's the fucking job market it's just shrinking and there's more and more people are either fucking uh, service industry or they they work in tech. World's just becoming a weird fucking place. And enough service industry and enough tech people also do comedy and make music and are trying to act. It's like, I don't know. You, you have less and less people. <coughs> this nigga Lyle's really saying he's scared to get a job. <laughs> it's like you have less and less people. They're just going to be, I don't know, everybody's just kind of going to do the same thing or invest in crypto and that's all they talk. I don't know. I don't I don't like hearing people talk about work. I went out to dinner tonight. And, and look, let me tell you something. Shitty apartments and studio apartments help build character. They really do. So I'm like, you know what? I kind of want to be the, I want to be out this motherfucker. So what I do is I'm like, there's this place in Beverly Hills. It's called Honor Bar. And I like Honor Bar because there is a wine and spirits shop right next to it. And you have a corkage fee and you go there and then you go next door, you open up a bottle and all they serve is sushi and burgers, sushi and sandwiches. It's great. It's very, very, very Southern California bullshit. So anyways, I'm there and like. As I was there, like, open a bottle, just killing time, like, the waitress, she was, like, she was nice. I wasn't trying to, like, over, I wasn't trying to, like, over chat her, but uh, she was, like, yeah, I'm from Oregon, yeah, we, and she's, like, oh, this is a great bottle, and I fucked with her because 
there's a thing when you're, and this is like for the world of fine dining, is you bring a bottle. They say, would you like to taste the bottle first? And they pour just a little bit. All the other servers will be like, here you go. Glop, 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 glop. And I'm like, oh, thank you, you nice classless piece of shit. And she was like, would you like to taste the bottle? So I'm like, yes, thank you. And then what you do in the world of uh, not even fine dining, but just uh, legitimate dining, is you say, hey, would you like to try a sip? And it's to say, would you like a glass? And it's so they can guide you throughout the meal. So it's like, okay, well, this, I would recommend you get this with this. But this is one of those places you're like, sorry, they won't let us drink. And I'm like, of course, they got you, they got you guys fucking dressed like you're about to park some cars. Of course they do, you know? It's fucking sucks. I hate that. Yeah. Can't, can't see the girl's body. It's, it's awful. They got you dressed like that. <laughs> I did not say that. So. Anyways, we're talking about Oregon wine and, and different bottles. And like, I got like a, I got a bottle of uh, Kinrite, the Hershey Vineyard 2017 Pinot Noir. And she's like, "Yeah, that's a good bottle." I'm like, "I know it is." Anyway, so as I'm sitting there, I'm like, and just like dreading going back home. I'm like, eh, I don't do that. I was like, I see how adults get to the point. Where they can just shut a restaurant down. Because <laughs> I remember like. When I was younger. I go in a restaurant. And I just see like. Just somebody just sitting there. And they just be taking the time. Picking up food. Be taking the time drinking. It could be like an older couple. It could just be. It often be an older couple. Or but or an older dude by himself. And just taking their time with their food. And it's like. Yeah. You. You ain't got shit to go to. Like I could hang at a comedy club, but we know. Like I'm, I gave all my New York time for that. I'm done with all that shit for for like the re- the remainder of the year. I'm not gonna hang at the comedy store. I don't. I don't live in L.A. Fuck that. So I'm hanging out there, and then this lady comes up, who's the manager, because she's just dressed like a little goofy than the way the restaurant makes the rest. Of it. And look, this is not me, and being like. And making fun of people for having a job. This is me just being angry at establishments for making people dress weird. Like, I feel weird with the way that they're dressed. There's certain places where the staff can be dressed a certain way. And you're like, I don't like, like, I'm cool with a uniform. But I got to, can I at least feel like like, like you're not like a servant, but also like you're not trying to, sweep up popcorn at the movie theater there's just a certain way that like it bothers me when servers address and this is a managerial of restauranteur owner criticism this is not a worker criticism but yeah i, I, I just don't like that shit it, it just fucking bothers me <coughs> so what was i saying so the manager she comes up to me and you know they, they give them like especially like in a place like la they'll give them like a little goofy headset like it's like, oh, she's also a PA. Yeah, this is good. This is you're trying to do that. Yeah, this is good. You'll give you a headset. So she comes in and she's like, hey, so we're trying to make room for the table for like other people. I hate to even ask. And my thing was like, I totally get it. Yeah, yeah, I'll cooperate. But in my head, I was thinking, give me a twenty minute warning. I get needing to turn tables over. I get I'm sitting at a table by my lonesome with two bottles of wine. And just picking at a chicken sandwich. I get it. But just give me a warning. Just give me a warning. So you pour my let's get it. Like, you know, I don't like feeling rushed. Just be like, hey, like in 20 minutes, would you mind? Because 
Like, like you know, do the timer thing. I, I just didn't like that. And, you know, there's a thing where it's like you find a spot. It just happens when you're going through, like, a rough patch in life where you're like, yo, I found my fucking spot. This is my spot. And, you know, if you're, like, a self-aware adult, you're like, all right, I, I know, like, I'm not spending enough money here for there to be a fucking wing named after me. But, you know, suck my dick a little bit. <laughs> so there's the thing. When that happens, where you just kind of feel like, no, look, you didn't show me the receipt. You didn't kiss the... Because, I mean, I'll still go back there, but... It's, I don't know. It just, got, it just kind of feels shitty. So anyway, so... I, I, I'm at the age where, like, I see how how you can close down a restaurant or close down a bar and you're not with nobody and you're not doing nothing and you're not trying to fuck none of the servers. You're not what you're not trying to fuck one of the patrons. You're just there. You're just there. Cause you're like, Ugh, I don't want to go back to this area. I don't want to go back to this room and these, Oh, these walls, Ugh, this refrigerator. Oh God. Toilet doesn't flush. Oh God. This fucking place. I don't know. I, I just, I, I just get it. And I'm learning that in my older age. I know, I know, look, I'm tired of myself saying, you know, in my older age, but it's like, look, I'm 31, just got out of a three-year relationship. It's a lot of shit now is in my older age. This is the Let's Unpack That Podcast. Let me start off the show by saying thank you to all our listeners in Germany. Thank you to all our listeners in Canada. Thank you to all our listeners in Brazil, Rio de Janeiro. I see you. My home state of California. You know I love you. Up top to the bottom and way back again. Shout out to our listeners in Seattle, Tacoma, Texas, Columbus, Ohio, Phoenix, Arizona, Virginia. All five boroughs in New York City, Philadelphia, Oregon, Las Vegas, Atlanta. I love all of y'all. Missouri, what up? Appreciate everybody for listening. Today, we will be unpacking the timetable for women starting a family, having kids, and the timetable for men getting these bitches and clapping them cheeks. I love you. I appreciate you. And enjoy the show. I remember when me and my very first girlfriend broke up. And blah, 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 blah. She told me she was seeing somebody. And I thought, damn, bitch, already? And I was, it's not that even at like, you know, 25 years old, it wasn't that like, it was so unfathomable that she could already find a romantic interest. It was the fact that, you know, from what she presented during the two and a half years we were together, it was just like, all right, you just asexual, you know, grumpy girl and it's a nigga that you hang around regularly like what the fuck and she said it to me she explained it to me in a way where it it, it made sense and by the way just in case you niggas be like wow I've been sound like a bitch this whole season yeah that may be true nigga but the, the story that takes place I fucked her after she told me so calm the fuck down <laughs> when she when she t- explained it to me, she was like, "And guess what? I didn't use a condom." Um, <laughs> when she explained it to me, she was like, "Well, 
Yeah, but I'm fucking 31 years old now. Everybody that I'm around that I socialize with, they all have somebody. So I want somebody around. I don't want to be alone. And it's not until now that I'm 31 that I really understand that. So I went through that breakup when I was 24, like three months away from turning 25. And the thing is, I was hanging around a lot of people. It was I was hanging around a lot of people I shouldn't have been hanging around. I was hanging around a handful of people I should have been around. And everybody was available to a strong extent. Everybody was like, hey, let's, hey, hey, let's grab a drink. Hey, yeah, yeah, let's do lunch. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to come to your show. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do this. As you get older, <coughs> all the people around you... It's not like that. One homie just had one kid and can get around. Now he's got two kids. One homie had two kids and he can get out. Now, you know, he's got money. He's got money troubles and he's got, you know, his marriage is kind of flimsy. He can't get out like that. One homie used to be available. Yeah, he had a girl, but now he's got a girl that has a kid and he's got to be around her. One homie's got a kid on the way. Another homie just got married. When you just get married, you got to be there. So it's like, even me, like, yeah, niggas is there for me. But, you know, niggas ain't on call for me. It's kind of more like, yeah, I know you're going through some shit, Lyle. So um, when in the week are you, like, niggas got to schedule calls with me. Now. Like, niggas used to be like, oh, man, I'm so, yo, 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 Lyle was good. Like, let, let, let's talk right now. Now it's like. Yeah, let's schedule a time to talk. <laughs> Got it. I gotta schedule a time to talk to you? Like <laughs> What do you manage? Howard Johnson Hotels? I gotta schedule a time? Like just, just hit me when you all hit me in between a thing. But you know, I get it. Like motherfuckers got lives. I'm sure like even as I'm talking all this shit, I'm sure even me when I was, you know, Living with, living with that uh, uh, ragamuffin, I'm sure it was like a time where somebody needed me and I was just like, yeah, yeah I'm going to get to you. I'm going to get to you. So it's like, you know, I get it. I get it. And all that, I will say, has helped me have more empathy for a woman's timetable. You know, and that's the thing when I look back <coughs> at that relationship a place where I fucked up was she got plans and I would brush them off or I'd be like, look, we doing this right now. And I like, cause I am a a type of person where I break down the year in bricks. Good things happen. Bad things happen. It's, It's all brick to me. I'm like, all right, well, this is the, this is the first half of the year. Then we do this and we do this. All right, then let's get to this next part. Shit happens. I don't want to just plan out the whole year a certain kind of way or a whole trajectory of my life. I'm like, all right, well, this is what I'm looking to do during this time. This is what I'm looking to do at this time. But the way I focus and I like to have these conversations, I don't like to do all that when I feel I haven't even done shit on the first part. And that's something that we didn't do, we didn't get right. Cause she was like, okay, when we having kids, we doing this. 
but it's like in the same breath, you know, you're like, I feel like I'm not having enough fun. I want to have more fun and I want to go out and, and I have a bunch of other stuff she wanted to do that I'm not going to say on here out of respect. <clears throat> but it's like, so you're talking to me about all this stuff that's like stuff you want to do as a couple and stuff that kind of sounds like you want to, that sounds like kind of more like shit you want to do as a single person. And I'm like, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. Then the same time, I'm supposed to like plan out uh, uh, where we're going to live and having a home and a kid and we just move somewhere. That's a lot for me to deal with. So anyways, that was a big part of like where we clashed because she she was like, oh, no, I want to lay out a whole whiteboard. And I'm like, I can't do all that. You got to you got to stay with me right here. So we get this right. <clears throat> but I'll say I do have more empathy for women in regards to that, because now I'm starting. I think what it is, is I'm starting to think about that. And I think guys like, because <clears throat> look, between a 37 year old man and a 37 year old woman, a 37 year old man is going to have a much easier time keeping, let's say, a 27 year old woman around than a 37 year old woman is going to have an easy time keeping a 27 year old man around. And I say 27 because that's like the age where you do start to like. Think about your future. And w- without doing a whole side conversation of like, yeah, but you know, men, we get better with age and women and all this and men want to fuck. Is this like men, like we do have more time where, you know, we can still kind of go out and uh, and play. I get it. Women got their eggs and all that. And. I'm in a space where. I'm starting to think about, all right, you got comedy, you got your podcast, you write your little screenplays, that's cool. But what about when you come home? Because who knows what the fuck your career is going to be. But what about when you come home? And I'll tell you, being out here in this garbage-ass studio apartment has me thinking what I want to come home to. I want to come home to the smell of, well, I want to be cooking, but I want to be in a, a house of scented candles and food and and laughter and, and some music playing. And I don't want to hear babies crying, but I'd like to hear a woman do some shit. I don't want to hear babies. I don't want kids. But it's like I want to hear, and it also has me understanding how because I look I'm gonna be honest I think about all my friends that had kids none of them niggas wanted them little damn kids I don't know one nigga in my social circle that wanted I, I probably know like two maybe two where their kids were playing and look I'm I'm talking black I'm talking white I'm talking Mexican none of them niggas playing them fucking kids except the two and I think about that unless they're like 40 then they're like all right bitch I'll give you one and I think about that, and I'm like, man, that's a whole life you got to take care of, so a bitch don't leave. Because I mean, I mean, that is the thing, and, and that's where my frustration comes. I get that's where my frustration with relationships come. <coughs> is that something always needs to be added? It's like, all right, we're dating, we're getting along, shit is going well. Hey, um, I think we should only fuck each other. And we should only talk to each other. 
<laughs> I guess I don't want you to look, make me look stupid, and I, sh- I guess, I guess I can not make you look stupid too. If, if that's what you really need. <laughs> it's like, all right, we do that. Then it's, hey, we should live together. All right, I guess, uh, I guess we can do that. And then it's like, hey, we should get married. We should have legal documentation that says we're together. Hey, we should have proof that we fuck. Huh. You know, now that we got proof that we fuck, we need to have a we need to have a better place for for our little result of that. Bigger room, maybe a little yard, just some more space. Maybe we should move to some area that your black ass doesn't feel comfortable, but it's more space and cheaper. And you gotta do all this shit, and it's really so you can keep this bitch around. Just to call it like it is. That's why niggas have kids. And when I say niggas, I don't I don't mean niggas in the way that I normally mean it. I mean niggas in the proverbial sense of I mean men. That is why men have kids to keep that bitch around. And I get why women want to have kids. Cause we're fucking boring. <laughs> as much as I want to sit up here and like just just blame women, which I do enough on here. But just I just want to sit up here and just be like women and then they fucking need to procreate. Ugh, they just, what the fuck? It's like look. Like me at the end of the day, like I'm I'm in a space where I'm realistic about what I am to be around. Like me at the end of the day, I just want to wake up, do my creative artsy shit, work, get some work in perform like work create it's all it's all work it's all creating it's it's the same shit <clears throat> i want to get i want to lift some weights do some sprints then i want to get something fucking good to eat and like two times of the day i want to have two like really good meals and then i want to have a <coughs> some adult libations and then i want to watch something and do say like i'm not that interesting in terms of like just what i want to do And maybe, you know, get a little pussy on the side every now and then. Like, I'm real honest about what the fuck I want out of life. And it's not very, like, entertaining. It's not very interesting to be around. So I get a woman being like, yeah, look, I know, like, you just want to play. Like, yeah, you want to provide and you want to do this and you want to love us and you love me, but you want to play. Yeah, I do want to play. Okay. Well, here's what I'm going to need to like, I need some shit to keep me in this and that's nurturing, that's building something. So it's like, yeah, fuck it. The other thing that happened is Brandon, who was on the dating advice with the homies podcast, nigga with the baritone voice, just came very close to saying that nigga got a sexy voice. I just came close. One nigga got dreamy eyes and one nigga got a sexy voice. No, but so Brandon was talking and we was in the club and Brandon was like, so I hear you going through a divorce. And I was like, I told him all that I said on the post breakup episode at the top. <coughs> and he said, he was like, yeah, man, that's some heavy shit right there. You going through it. And I'm like, I feel so seen. And then me and Brandon talking and <coughs> I'm like, yeah, I just don't think like I, the, like the kid shit is for me. And he's like, I'm like, I don't know, like, just the idea of not being able to do whatever the fuck I want whenever the fuck I want to do it is something about that that just kind of scares me. Like, 
if somebody's like, hey, we're going to Vegas, want to roll, like, I don't want to have to check in or ask my mom or somebody's mom or some or an aunt or whoever if they can, like, watch after a child so I can go have, or not even have some fun, just improve my career, improve my situation. Like, that just don't sound fun to me. And he said, you know what don't sound fun to me? Falling in the shower, nobody's there to help me get up. And I said, damn, nigga, you beat me. That shit sounds awful. I do think about being alone. And like like what I said earlier about, you know, just closing up the restaurant, closing up the bar, because you're just like, fuck going home, I'm going to post here, is when you see, because it's like, you can do that in, in your 20s and your 30s, and or at least your early 30s. But it's like when it's kind of like, oh, that's like I had an uncle, my uncle Bill. He like he talked nonstop. He put everybody to sleep. He saw he was like talking to Wikipedia's Southern black man. And he was I don't know. He had, he had some academic job. He wasn't a teacher, but he's he did something with his brain. And Uncle Bill is, you know, he would just fucking talk your ear. Like he would talk about Vince Carter metaphysics is so many so many other things at the same time you know i'm gonna call my mom see if she remembers what uncle bill did hello mom you are on the let's unpack that podcast please don't say anything to incriminate yourself i have a quick i have a quick question uh for for you in the lie the lie hive uh wants to know as well What did Uncle Bill do for a living? Well, I, I'm I'm talking about uh, growing old and being lonely. So, of course, he came up <laughs> in, in my train of thought. But uh, laugh, laugh, laugh. So, <laughs> so, 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 what did Uncle Bill do do for work? He worked for the railroad. Oh, what did he do? Mystery. <laughs> <laughs> that nigga just came. It just just came to eat food, ask for a ride, and then go to Sizzler's. Like I work at the train station. Let's, let's leave it at that. Why I don't know anybody. All right, if you're not gonna laugh at my jokes, I'm, I'm gonna have to hang up soon. <laughs> okay, that was fun. I don't know. <laughs> no, I really, I don't know. Okay, cool. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, love you. Bye. Thanks for appearing. So, all right, Uncle Bill work, uh, worked for the railroad. He's probably like an engineer or something. <coughs> and what's really sad is when my Uncle Bill died, is everybody was trying to get a hold of him because he was in some home and people didn't know how to. And he kind of like, I don't want to say like, you know, the morgue just threw him in like whatever that little, it was on like season two of The Wire where they're like, do you see what happens when they can't identify a body? I have. I don't want that to happen to her. You know? And, you know, I mean, like, is there like an ego thing about death that I have? Like, yeah, of course. I'm a fucking entertainer. Like, there's a part of me that has some twisted fantasy of like a fucking like 
fucking cop kills me or like I just die in some like fucking freak accident that gets national news. And people are like, he was a comedian. And then people are like, oh my God, couples therapy is brilliant. Let's unpack that. Oh my God. And then I turn to this like fucking modern day philosopher like in death. And then it's, I'm in, like, I don't get all like the fucking accolades and pussy received that I want. But like, th- there's an idea about that that I kind of do jack off to. <laughs> I'm kind of like, yo, man, I wish niggas left. Like, why would you niggas? Like, so, yeah, yeah, that, that ego idea exists <coughs> it, uh, about death, of course, for me. Because some people are just like, you die, that's it, nothing happens, there's no heaven, there's no hell, you're just done. You're, you're done. You know, you're alive for if you can hear what's going on in death, you know? You're kind of like a chicken with their head cut off that can still run. You're like that. You can still hear what's going on. You're in fucking pain, but you're done. Can't talk. It's over. Say goodbye. <laughs> and it's like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, there's this, this little selfish part, but it it's like you do see that as you get older, none of the shit matters. Like family and legacy is what matters. Family is what keeps you alive. Family is how you carry on. Like, I've, if I don't get become shit, Right. But, well, wait, I'm saying it like I ain't shit. But if I don't become what I want to be, but I give birth to some kids, I, well, I don't give birth, but I help. <laughs> I have some kids. <laughs> See how selfish I am? I'm like, I give birth. I'm like, no, nigga, that's not your job. That's that's hers. <laughs> but if I have some, if I have some, oh my God, such an egomaniac. If I have some fucking kids and they end up fucking becoming great, it's like when you go on like, met like George Clooney or Leo DiCaprio's Wikipedia pages. And they're like, their parent was also like, and their parents get some like little, like brief Wikipedia pages just off of, just off of how great their kids are. They're like, all right, their parents did enough. We can give them a Wikipedia page. It's like, and I'm not saying I'm playing for a Wikipedia page. I know plenty of slusher niggas that got that. And that's not what I'm playing for. I'm just saying, you know, it's like, you don't, and you know what I think that comes from of wanting to leave a mark? It comes from suffering. Because you want the suffering to have meant something. Especially, you know, especially like just being like a 90s nigga. And it's like you, you, we came up off of plenty of black art that has profited off of suffering. And like, in the grand scheme of things, it's like we're really selling black trauma, which is like a lot of black content is trauma, which is like a whole nother conversation is unfortunate. But it's like it's like Tupac, he suffered a lot, but it's like he's still living, you know, a lot of people. And I know somebody could be like, well, he ain't fucking Jada right now, but it's like, <laughs> it's like well, well, Jada's fucking him in a certain weird kind of way. Okay. I just hate because you know normally like celebrity uh, love triangle messiness stays out of my mind, but this Jada Pinkett shit just can't because it's like first it was August, now it's Pac, and then it's like I'm sh- there's gonna be some nigga that's not gonna be able to keep it cool and be like I fuck Jada too. <laughs> All right, let's get away from that. So, 
there's this thing though where where it's like, all right, you, you go through all these things in life, shit happens to you, you fuck up, and there's just like a slippery slope that you can go down where you're like, wow, I'm like a few moves away from fucking up my life. And I think that's what makes like gangster and crime shows so appealing to a lot of men, especially a lot of men of color, is that a lot of us see like, yo, we're like a few bad months, bad events from us going down that road. Same thing where where I said about Young Dolph at the top, where it's like, you feel that when so many young black men die, whether whether it's Kobe Bryant, whether it's Young Dolph, whether you know, <coughs> is you feel that because you realize like, yo, I'm not far away from being this, and there's this thing where where you're like, all right, let me profit off of something. So, and I think that's why so many niggas are drawn to entertainment because it's like, all right, well, let me profit off the bullshit I've been through. Like, let me rap. Let me. Let me talk about it. Let me make jokes about it. Let me make a movie about it. Let me write a script about it. Let me sing a song about it. Let me write a book about it. Let me, somebody pick up a camera and just walk with me and let me just show you everything and then talk into a camera about what I've been and show you who I can show you. Like, which I mean is, I don't want to get in this whole deep philosophical conversation about exploitation versus art because we could be here all day doing that and uh, Michael Eric Dyson was not available. You see, as the young brother Tupac, the rose that grew from... <laughs> I love Michael Eric Dyson and Nelson Dr- I love all them fucking black professor niggas. But so with kids, is you know, it's like you want to live on in some way. And the point I'm starting to get to is like, game might not love you. Streets might not love you the way you feel the streets should love you. The way that you feel the game should love you. It just might not catch on. You might have missed your wave for like the the time that was right for you and the time you were ready to deal with a certain amount of bullshit. I remember we was watching basketball, me and Will, and I want to say 2009. And AI was on the Nuggets with Melo. He was giving buckets. And Will said... He should have gotten traded when he was still a viable player. Now he's just an angry old man that doesn't want to pass the ball. And it's like, yeah, AI probably, probably by 03, 04, he should have been trying to get traded to Detroit or, or something or Miami or someplace. So he could have won a ring. And if he won a ring, it's like, I don't think he, I think he probably could have played like four or five more years. Because the perception of AI towards the end was like, well, he doesn't want to come off the bench. He's difficult and he's a problem and he hangs out at these casinos. And, you know, even when he was in his prime, he's on bullshit and he's still on bullshit. And if he won a ring, it's like same thing with Melo, where it's like if had Melo, um, had Melo won, had Melo won a ring, I think he wouldn't have had been, and he shouldn't have been staying at home. Like he shouldn't have gone as long as he did without being on a team. But I think he had, he won a ring. People would be like, Hey, that's veteran leadership. He would have, you know, he would have been like Andre Iguodala, but with, with a better resume. <coughs> God, we went down on this NBA sidebar. I'm trying, just, all right, let's get, let's get back to where we were. Um, But anyways, yeah, the window for doing something. 
you sit up there and you start to go, maybe I missed my window. Maybe the time for me, you know, you, you have these questions about yourself and it's like, hey, maybe just like there's certain people did what like DeMar DeRozan. There are people like, oh, DeMar DeRozan would have been great in the 90s. Or there are other players who's like, oh, my God, like, can you imagine if they played? Can you imagine if Reggie Miller played in today's game? Like, you know, I think that that's, you know, you could apply that even to what I do and other people do. Where it's like, hey, you kind of missed your window or, hey, this would have been. And you sit up there and you go, you know what? Maybe family is where I should be. Maybe family is what it's about. Family is how I can live on and, and, and family gives you a bigger purpose. And you hear everybody say, and obviously this isn't true because we we've we know people and we've seen proof of this, but a lot of people they go, you know what, once I had a family, like once I had kids and a wife, I stopped worrying about the bullshit. You know you know my biggest fear is though with with having kids is and and I had this this thought with a little ragamuffin is if you died I'd be fucked. Like I think like what if you die in a car crash or just your goofy ass, you know, just looking and you're like, oh, I was looking at a building, and then a fucking car hits you and you're dead, and I'm stuck here with this little nigga you wanted more than me. <laughs> that really really fucking scares me. You know. Even like life insurance and all that, but I mean that shit runs out at a certain point, you know, just like unemployment. And you're sitting up there and you're just like, "Fuck!" And I gotta figure all this out and how she would have wanted it, and then whatever her parents are gonna be on. Like, this is mother. Like, like that. That's a fear of mine. Another fear of mine with having kids, having a retarded kid. Don't really want to put up with it. Having an autistic kid. Having a kid. Yeah, kind of scared. That associate, like, like, because some kids just they just don't come out right, and I do think, look, I think parents fuck up in a lot of ways, like, the, like the Columbine parents. It's like we had no idea. It's like I'm sure that the parents, the parents of uh, Eric and Dylan, <laughs> look, I'm sure they was fucking like popping Prozac, alcoholics, having an affair, just out doing their own fucking thing to the point where they like they didn't notice that their kids were stockpiling weapons and make it just there's a certain point it's like how come you y'all ain't got no bitches up in here? I don't hear no basketballs bouncing or I don't I don't a glove and a mitt. I don't I don't hear any computer games. I'm just it's like it's like oh but you don't hear them making these fucking weird videos and writing these fucking manifestos. Like like I mean obviously like the, the, those parents are shitty. But I do think you have plenty of parents where it's like, God, we have no fucking, what the fuck? No, we don't do that. No, we no, we don't tie people up. God, you sick fuck. How could you? Hey, taking a quick break. Wanted to ask if you could please subscribe to my YouTube channel. The name is Lyle Barrett's and the link is in the episode description. Thank you very much for your time. And now back to the show. Those are some of the things, though, I fear in the idea as a parent. And then also, 
I mean, shit, I just like moved somewhere that I wanted to move, but just sooner than I wanted to. And I saw what that built into. I saw the resentment that built from that. And her having this realistic expectation of like, you know, New York's and like also like we're living in two different New Yorks. Like I was on some like how to make it in America, you know, entourage, you know, seven year prequel. That's the New York I was living in. She was living, she was trying to live in the sex in the city, New York. She was trying to live in the girls, but I got money in New York. <clears throat> so just the fact, so it's like, okay, well, that's the case if you just move somewhere across the country with somebody. But what's the case if you say, hey, let's have some kids. Then you're living in totally different New York. You're living in totally different worlds at that point, whether it's going to be a school of parenting or whatever. Another, you know, another thing I feel with having kids is like the resentment. Well, I kind of, I kind of just said that, but yeah, like the that resentment. And then if like they do turn out to be like a serial killer or 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 deaf or something, and I'm just like, damn, I can't go, <laughs> I can't go on this tour with Trevor Noah. Because I got to take care of this little deaf nigga. <laughs> that's not funny. But that that that's something that concerns me. But it's like we got to be sensitive to... I think it's not even about being sensitive. I think it's just understanding and having empathy. I talk about empathy a lot on here. But I think it's about having an empathy for a woman's timetable. Because a woman's timetable... For having, a, I mean, let's just even think about like the stuff we had energy for at twenty four against the stuff we have energy for at twenty eight. We just talking four years, but just what you have energy for is just totally different. And at twenty four years old, I'm sure you crammed way more things into your day. I know I did, but at the same time, I know it was just like I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and you kind of moving around like a hummingbird. Whereas the stuff I get done in a day at 28 feels a lot more fulfilling, feels like I'm actually laying groundwork for something. Whereas in 20, when you're 24, even if you're doing what you want, you know what you want, you're still just throwing shit up against the wall unless you're a fucking prodigy, which you were probably not. wonder if a prodigy would get anything out of my podcast. <laughs> but... So that's so I I I do think us as men like we do need to be if a girl's pushing for kids we and this is where I think we fuck up is this is one of the few places where where I will say men fuck up more than women on this women are very honest about their timetable women are very honest that they want kids family. Maybe you want to be homeowners, but at the very least, you start thinking about where you want to live. I was hanging out with fellow comedian Dino Archie when I was up uh, recording couples therapy and was in the car. Me and the goofy ragamuffin 
Dino and his lovely wife. And at one point, they're talking about, you know, where they would want to raise kids. And then Dino says, like, yeah, you know, like, we might move back to America. And she's like, oh, hell no. And she said, like, yeah, I said I'm down to move to America one day. I, I wouldn't raise my kids in America. And you know the concept of just people, like, in Canada that are like, uh? Because at the same time, there's something about them that can feel very, like, kind of amazing. Especially, like, Vancouver. Like, just seeing, like, I went to, like, a club in Vancouver and they, you know... I don't know. It, it, it there's something about it that felt like Ontario, California. I was like, am I in Orange County right now? <laughs> Maybe that's kind of the Pacific Northwest in general. I don't know. Let's let's stop talking about that. Um, <clears throat> but where men and women with our timetables, where we fuck up, is I think men we're not honest about our time because our because women's timetable is like having kids, laying the foundation for life. A man's timetable is. How much longer can I fuck women where gravity hasn't hit them yet? Like, how long can I realistically bag 24 to 35-year-old women? 23 to 34, however, whatever your scale is, you know, just above 22. But how long can I keep getting women like that that are like, younger and in, in, in their physical prime and that in the best shape of their life titties perky how long how long can i get those women and they still just want to fuck and have a good time and yeah they'll hang around with me and you know we'll do more than, than just sex but it's so i want to fuck them <laughs> that's like man's dilemma because and i think like both men and women we hit that thing Women, uh, you know, like <clears throat> by twenty, by twenty six, you're thinking it, and by twenty seven, you're planning it. Especially if you're with somebody, you're like trying to like lay lay the groundwork for that. And men, I think when we hit twenty seven, twenty eight, especially you know if we put on a few pounds in the midsection, our love handles get bigger, our face gets fuller. Or our hair starts thinning or just kind of partying and alcohol, drugs catch up with us. We get this thing where like, hmm, I notice I'm not pulling this level or age group of women that I used to. Am I looking old? Am I looking bad? Am I looking fat? Am I looking tired? And <coughs> we start thinking like, how much longer? Can I get these bitches? Even if I do everything right, even if you know I eat healthy and I lift and I do my push-ups and I run and and you know, all that and I make sure my money's right and you know because it, it's different level. Like it's a timetable for like it's only so long. Men can fuck women in their parents' house. It's only so long. Men can fuck women when they got a roommate. It's, you know, if, if I'm just going to keep it real, it's only so long towards where a certain type of woman, woman is going to want to fuck a man in a studio apartment. It's timetables on all these things. And for men, you know, is I know I made the analogy plenty of times on this show about, you know, uh, 
the two types of old guys at the resort to see the the hot girl in the bikini with like her ass and titties hanging out is the one guy at the at the resort that's like mm, yeah good times uh, she reminds me of one i had and the one guy that's just gawking and just be like god i wish i had that i only had the one i wish i had more and you know we're, we're just not fucking honest about our timetable I'll say what keeps me honest about everything is I have a what's the worst that could happen train of thought all the time. And maybe it's just from like experiencing so much trauma and bad shit in my life. But I had this thing where I'm like, like this shit that keeps me from having a kid is I go, all right, let's say they're fuck up, they're shithead, they're kind of slow or whatever. I'm like, I don't want to resent my child's mother for our child's shortcomings. I don't want to blame all the bad shit that happens to me in life. I'm like, well, you wanted this kid. It was the only way to get you around. And I don't I want to have something to pick me up when I've fallen in the shower. <laughs> and then I have my fucking moment. I have my fucking speech. And then it's just like, and you know, bad blood grows, like resentment grows. And I don't want to have that. And, and you know, one thing, and, th- and this is, isn't just with kids, but it scares me about myself within relationships. <coughs> I don't know how to be mean. Because when, when, you know, like I'm an only child, so... In a single parent home. So, you know, I'm an only child. I'm sensitive, but I'm also very direct. I'm very like, okay, boom, here's what it is. And I, I don't know if I, I think me being direct kind of just more informs the fact that I have a low tolerance for bullshit. How much that is informed by being an only child, I don't know. But I have a low tolerance for bullshit, right? But I'm also sensitive, which are two things that like don't go hand in hand. And you know that... I think this is the mic. I think we're all missing microchips. Like the the Uber drivers I talked about at the top of the show, they're missing the microchip of empathy, compassion. Do they really want to hear all this bullshit? Maybe I should put my mask on. Maybe I should, you know. <coughs> then they're also missing the microchip of social intelligence, social awareness. I'm missing the microchip of being that like I didn't have another sibling in the house that was mean to me and I'm mean to them <coughs> and we can develop the line of what's too far, what's not too far, what's sacred, what's not sacred. I didn't have that. So for me, a lot of my moral respect, you cross me compass comes from street culture. It comes from street niggas it's like nah you can't be doing nah you can't be saying that about a nigga nah nah you do this nah nah if i'm wrong tell me when we get back to the spot but don't tell me i'm wrong in front of these people it's it's street shit it's mafia shit it's very you know it's alpha macho shit that is not realistic 
for living your life. Like having like a pamphlet of these rules and not to say like that that's literally how I live my life and I don't have some flex and I don't, you know, give passes and I'm not like, all right, I get where you was coming from. So look, of course I do. But I'm saying how that's kind of a baseline for me is from like, all right, well, that's that's the closest thing that I had around me to some sort of organization. That was water. (laughs) First of the entire episode. (laughs) So being that I had that, though. Because I didn't know how to be mean. I don't know how to be mean to people. But, like, I don't know how to just be mean. Like, I I kind of go cross a line, you know, that I don't think I do. Because, like, this is a funny story. We're outside of a show. Me, some comics, and Paul Conyers happens to be there. And Paul Conyers, a comic, just go stream his album above the fray. See, I, 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 I promote other shit on here. It's not just mine, but stream above the fray. It's on Amazon. You can watch it on Amazon and you can listen to it on some other shit. But so Paul Conyers, me, him, some other comics standing around. I don't know who. Probably the same like 12 people I book. <laughs> All right, I booked. And this person comes up and, you know, it's like after comedy shows, a lot of people say the same stuff, like after a good show. So do you guys travel together? Do you travel together? Oh, so, wow. So, so it must be fun just going all around. Do you guys, what do you guys do? Do you play, so do you have day jobs or this is what you you do this? And, And how much do you get paid? Like real stupid shit. This person comes up and they, they do the same thing. They're nice, well-meaning. And they're like, so, uh, <laughs> you know, there's certain voices that just sound like certain things to me. Like, I could, really like, read some food on a menu, and it'll sound like that to me. Like, if I read, like, like, like a salad, it'll be like, the goat cheese, sliced apple, kale salad, sp- arugula, arugula. I can't read the word arugula. Not, you know, so it's arugula? It's, it's feta cheese? That's good. I like feta. It's good for you. It's good. And then there's like certain burgers that I'll just see. Don't go bacon, smoke, hickory sauce, shoestring onion rings, jack cheddar. <laughs> it's just like, like I'll just see that. I'll, so anyway, so this person was like, "So, uh, so, so, your comics, okay? So, um, do you guys rib each other? You guys, you guys got to do some ribbing, and do you guys make fun of each other?" And then Paul Conyers says. Well, a lot of us do. Lyle, on the other hand, is different. We'll kind of talk about what you wear or what you say. Lyle will break down you psychologically and kind of every facet of your personality and be like, oh, you do this, you do this, and this happened to you. And yeah, that's why you do that. And you disgust me. (laughs) And I laughed in the moment because I'm like, ah, this nigga got me. And then I thought about it more. I'm like, God. I've probably rubbed Paul Conyers the wrong way a lot of times, but I just happened to have a good amount of stage time for him. <laughs> that was my first thought. My second thought was, how does a nigga know all that when I don't know him that well? Well, that's attached to the same thought. Like, I don't know him that well. Because a lot of comic, like what Dave Chappelle said in that... um the Mockingbird or whatever, the special where he did like an entire like 45 Netflix special in the belly room. 
And he, he was talking about everything that happened like the past week with Me Too. He was like, Charlie Rose, holy shit, who's next? Captain Kangaroo? When when Dave said like, and people were like, oh, so with Louie, did you know? No, I didn't know. Like, I don't talk to this nigga like that. Like, and I just see him at the comedy club. And comedy is well, especially me, where I'm just like, I don't I don't like you niggas. You all you white comments are weirdos and racist. And a large portion of black comedians are turning into cornballs. I don't fuck with you niggas. Tim Allen is snitch. And you fucking still ride with him? Nigga, fuck you. I ain't trying to be around you. But I'm like, how does Paul know that that is what I do when I feel like I I can't like really repeat one conversation me and Paul had. Just like, hey, how was the ride in? Hey, how you doing? How was the show before? When you got to be out of here? Cool. How much am I getting paid? Oh, okay, cool. See you later. How was that? Like, it's just very... I don't know. It's not just, I mean, I like him, but you know, I'm just, I don't know. Like, I feel like I have the same conversation with all these niggas, except like 15 and all the ones I hate. I'm scared to make a list. <laughs> if you make like a list of people you don't fuck with, as a, you know, I actually, you know what? I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to do some, some self uh, uh, care. This is gonna be difficult, and I'm gonna like write down an enemies list, like I'm like a like I'm like an elementary school loser. <laughs> just like, let me find, and I'll be like, and you know what? Let me write down that list, and then and then like crowdsource some people, and be like, all right, what's the number where this is just fucking too much? What's the number where it's like, my nigga, you shouldn't have this many people on your list where you're just like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't shake their hand if I saw that. Oh, God, I want to throw acid in their face, but uh, fuck jail. Studio apartment is enough. <laughs> oh, I am the height of too muchery. But being like that, I I feel like I haven't grasped how to like be mean. I'm like, well, how's that gonna work for me with a kid? Like, how's that gonna work? Like, I'm not gonna be mad at my baby for like throw up and shit and all that, and I'm not gonna be mad at like a, a, a toddler for just telling the truth and being mean or. I'm not going to be mad at like a, you know what I mean? But it's like, when they're like 15, 16, and they're just being a a, a fucking bitch-ass motherfucker, I'm like, I don't know if I can like just not tell them what I really think about them. Like, Ugh, like motherfucker, you got pimples. Your, co- your clothes look stupid. I know, because we get the cheap ones. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I worry about myself. And like, I don't... I don't like the, um, I've heard abusive parents in the store. I've heard parents just shout and say fuck to their kids. And like, I've seen the kids just not react. Like I've seen this in the store in public and all that. And I'm like, I I don't want to be verbally abusive. So, you know, just being a nigga, my logic is just like, well, let me remove myself from the situation. It's like what I do therapy so I can make myself have like parent better. It's actually a pretty good idea. Just gotta find the right woman that's like that can pay for all that. (laughs) 
This has been the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I've been your host, Lyle Behrens. Thank you very, very much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the episode, please share with a friend, subscribe, share the episode on social media. All of that is much appreciated. And I hope you enjoy your week and I'll see you again very, very, very soon. Be well.